Live from Master Closet Studios, you're listening to the only podcast on the internet that knows what love is, Jenna. The, the parents are loving it. The noobs and the Whovian. My name is Austin. I'm the Whovian, and these are my sons, Trip and Corbin. And, and we're, we're the noobs. <laughs> and they're speechless. <laughs> this is the podcast that introduces a whole new generation to Doctor Who by watching an episode each week and then discussing it from the perspective of a dad who's seen it before. And two sons who haven't. So welcome to episode 46, covering season four, episode six, The Doctor's Daughter. This is the one where the Doctor, Donna, and Rose, I mean, uh, Martha, meet the Doctor's daughter. Uh, I mean, uh, clone. Uh, pro- uh, progenation duplicate or... Uh, <sighs> How about just Jenny? Just as Martha was going to say goodbye to the doctor again, the TARDIS takes off all on its own. They land in the middle of a war between humans and the half. Some soldiers grab the doctor for processing and end up cloning him through progenation. Progenation. Jibberty jabberty. The doctor is a father and a mother. Then a bomb goes off and collapses the tunnel, separating the Doctor and Donna from Martha and the TARDIS, conveniently for the sake of the plot. The Doctor starts asking questions. The war's been going on for generations, longer than any single clone can remember, and no one remembers why. But they know if they can reach the source, they can wipe out the half and end the war. The Doctor is having exactly none of that. He, Donna, and Jenny start making their way to the source, while Martha and a half, apparently named Peck, are taking the surface route. They all arrive at the same basic time, and the Doctor figures out that the war started over a power vacuum, but something strange is happening. Donna figures out that the war started a week ago. The Source is a third-generation terraforming device. The Doctor declares the war over by starting the terraforming process, but General Cobb takes a last shot at the Doctor and hits Jenny. The Doctor takes Martha home and heads out with Donna for a new adventure, and we cut back to Jenny, who suddenly regenerates. Sort of? Maybe? Kinda? and steals a ship to go explore the universe. Like father, like daughter. The end. Guys, this is story number 193, originally airing April 26th. Uh, nope, sorry. May 10th. <laughs> Notes from last week. Oh, yeah. May 10th, 2008, to 7.33 million viewers. So we're kind of, we're settling. We're settling mm-hmm. around 7 million. That's okay. Again. Uh, this one was written by Stephen Greenhorn. Uh, we last saw him uh, writing the episode The Lazarus Experiment, which was also the sixth episode in the season and followed a two-parter by Helen Rayner. If you guys remember last week, we had the two-parter and we said Helen Rayner wrote the two-parter last season that was episodes four and five. Mm-hmm. Well, then apparently Stephen Greenhorn wrote episode six <laughs> last season and this season. The so they were like, hey, who wrote season, uh, who wrote episode six last time? Let's have him do it again. Yeah, um, why not? Let's start a pattern. That's right. Uh, this was uh, directed by Alice. Uh, it's either Troughton or Troughton. I'm not, I'm not sure. It's spelled like one of the doctor's last names, but she's no relation. Just coincidence. Uh, so this and an upcoming episode called Midnight are her only two episodes uh, mm-hmm. that she did for Doctor Who. However, she also did direct some episodes of Torchwood and the Sarah Jane adventures throughout the years. All right. So the cast this week, the, uh, there's, there's a lot of people in this one. Uh, but the, the big two that we have to mention, oh my gosh, I forgot to look it up his name. I, cause I saw it. Ah, Corbin, our man in the suit. Who's the man in the suit? I can't think of his name. Was he the guy that played the half? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm. I'm. I'm I, looking I don't. It up. I get the feeling googling our man in the suit just doesn't really <laughs> cut it. <laughs> Paul Casey. Paul oh, Casey. Yes. <coughs> okay. Our man in the suit. 
our guy who's always encased in something is named Paul Casey. Okay. So now we'll all remember Paul Casey, uh, played, um, oddly enough, he played half peck. Uh, mm-hmm. do y'all remember when the closed captioning, she was calling out to the half and saying peg. Do y'all remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah. All right. So, uh, <clears throat> for our listeners, um, when, uh, when Martha's down in the goop and the, the, the one half comes down and, and, you know, saves the day by apparently sacrificing himself in one of those, Somehow. one of my least favorite tropes in TV shows, the needless sacrificial death. Um, even though he has like a water <coughs> mask on, so he should still be able to breathe under there, but and he if dies he's, And he's a fish. Anyways. And if he could get her out, why can't he get himself That's out? the part I couldn't understand at all. I didn't understand why she couldn't get out. You can jump in and push All right, we digress. Um, so apparently in the closed captioning, she was saying, help me, Peg, P-E-G, lowercase p. And I was like, what is, what? What is that? And she said, I like, figured it was his name. <coughs> But, yeah, I did too. But it wasn't capitalized. Plus, so, why did he have a name if, exactly, like Jenny didn't even like it, exactly? So, um, and we never hear her. She calls she, what she was saying. Actually, it was bad closed captioning. She was saying Peck because there were two half who had names. There was Peck Half and Peck Gable, and they were named after uh, Clark Gable and Gregory Peck two famous actors. Um, so, and, and, and apparently that's what they were called in the script. They are, uh, credited as such. And Paul Casey played half peck. So he was the guy that we, you know, the, uh, the half that we saw the most, right. Hanging out with Martha. Mm-hmm. And then all the way at the end, do you remember there was a guy and there was a half that were preparing Jenny's body, yeah. right? That half is named half, uh, Gable for some reason. And again, never mentioned in the show. It's never, the only allusion that we have to half peck is her saying, help me peck with no explanation as to why she's saying those words, why she's saying peck. And apparently closed captioning didn't understand it and thought he was, she was saying peg. How did she figure out his name (coughs) though? He's a fish. I don't know. Well, we are. It seemed like she learned the fish language. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to circle back around to that. We've, we've got some, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> We've got some uh, some notes on that later. So, got to mention Paul Casey. However, the big cast member to mention this go round is Jenny, of course. And we alluded to this back when we covered um, Time Crash, uh, both times that we recorded that episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is played by uh, Georgia Moffat, who is now Georgia Tennant, uh, who was Georgia Moffat, daughter of, and and so this is confusing, right? There was a writer at the time for Doctor Who named Stephen Moffat. M O F F A T. He still writes, right? Uh, well, at the time he was a writer. Later on, he became the showrunner. Mm-hmm. Ah. He is currently, I don't think he's really doing anything with Doctor Who. Uh, at least the show. He may be still writing comics and novels and things like that. So, Georgia Moffat, not Moffat, M O F F E T T was the daughter, y'all, y'all following me, mm-hmm. of Peter Davison, the fifth doctor. Remember, we talked about that. Yeah. Peter Davison, apparently, I guess that's his screen name. His actual name is Peter Moffat. So I was so confused when I saw that what? David this Tennant married Georgia Moffat. I went, oh, he married Stephen Moffat's daughter. No, no, it's not even the same name. 
well, why is Georgia Moffat the daughter of Peter Davison? Oh, apparently because that's his real last name. <laughs> and now she's Georgia Tennant. But she's credited on this episode. Yeah, she's credited in this episode as Georgia Moffat because that was her name at the time. Mm-hmm. So as we said, they met on the filming of this episode. Yeah. And um, yeah, fun fun stuff there. So uh, they are now uh, uh, still still married. And I think sometimes you'll actually see her listed now as Georgia Moffat Tennant, like Moffat as her, as her middle name, which is not <laughs> uncommon. Yeah. Um, and apparently uh, she auditioned, or no, I'm sorry, 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 sorry. In 2004, she wanted to audition for the role of Rose. She uh. actually approached Stephen, <laughs> Stephen Moffat uh, and, uh, the, and, and Russell T. Davies about uh, auditioning for that role. They didn't want her to because they felt she was too young. What? Which I'm trying to think, like, how Isn't old? Isn't Rose the same age, basically? As what? As um, her. Uh, so uh, Rose was... The character Rose was nineteen when they when they first. And how much was she actually? Um, I don't know. Billy Piper was was close. She, it wasn't like she was a thirty year old playing a nineteen year old. I want to yeah. say she was maybe like twenty twenty one or something like that. Um, let me see if I can grab real quick. See if I can find um, Georgia's um, birth birth year. Because I'm trying to figure out how how young would she have had to have been. Yeah, she was, like, okay, so she was born in 1984. So in 2004, she was 20. So how is she wow. too So she was young. literally older than the character that she was wanting to audition for. So um, at any wow. rate, at any rate, um, they thought she was too old. Oh, she was born on Christmas Day. How about that? Mm. So she um, was, was was turned down for the role. She came back to audition for a role in the next episode that we're going to watch, The Unicorn and the Wasp, and I guess maybe during that process ended up with this role. So, um, mm-hmm. all kinds of fun stuff with, with Jenny she and all those She would have been good as Rose. There. You think so? Yeah. So, apparently, so when, when the teaser trailers for this episode were originally coming out, the episode was called The Doctor's Daughter, and all you saw on the teaser episode was, the, remember, the doors sliding open and her stepping out mm-hmm. and being like, hello, father, or whatever. Um, and that's all the context you get. So people, there, of course, rumor mill, people were, were saying that, okay, we've seen Rose, right? Mm-hmm. We've seen hints of Rose on these episodes so far in the season. Mm-hmm. And here you have a blonde woman mm-hmm. coming out and saying, Hello, Father, and the episode is called The Doctor's Daughter. So the theory going for all of, I guess, a week and a half or something was that it was Rose's daughter with the doctor. What? <laughs> that was... <laughs> <laughs> what? The theory was... That makes no sense at all. I mean, you know... Sure, it makes sense. Science fiction, you know? Um, so Because so many, so, 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 so many people wanted the Doctor and Rose to be a couple. So many people wanted that. Especially with Tennant. Like, more so with Tennant than they did with Eccleston. But Eccleston. Yeah. Um, kind so, of depressing. although she looked like Rose, and by that we just mean she had blonde hair, <laughs> uh, there was that theory. She was very short. Yeah. But there actually 
is there is some non-TV stuff, comics, novels, and things featuring Jenny. And there is apparently there's an explanation out there that um, there's kind of this sideways wink and a nudge that, you know, you look an awful lot like the fifth doctor because it's his his daughter. And so they actually write it into the story that clones of the doctor. And again, I guess that means there's been multiples, you know, Clones of the Doctor tend to look like previous gener- re- previous regenerations of the Doctor. Rather That's than cool. the current one. Rather than the current one. It looks like future generations. Oh, that would be funny. Be amazing. <laughs> that, would, that would actually be so amazing. So that, that was actually makes sense. Yeah. So there was that um, little bit of a conspiracy theory there that obviously you know immediately was was dispelled as soon as you see the episode and realize, nope, she's just a clone. That's her. Well, again, she wasn't even really a clone. She technically was the doctor's daughter, but through progenation, not, he was both the father and the mother. Um, Miscellaneous trivia. I happen to notice that this episode, the doctor's daughter aired on mother's day in the U S now, again, that's mother's day in the U S I honestly, I've been meaning to look this up. I don't know about mother's day in the UK. If they, they have it? Do they celebrate it? Is it a big deal there like it is here? Is it the second Sunday of May like it is here? I think China has like Children's Day. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. be awesome. They also have like Single Person's Day. Mm. So, yeah. There's but, a lot of weird holidays um, around the world. If memory serves me, uh, the episode about Rose and her father. Father's Day. Yeah, Father's Day. Didn't mm-hmm. that one also air on Mother's Day? I feel like it did. Yeah, because yeah. I, I I feel like we made a point of that then, which again wouldn't make as much of a, a deal in the UK if they don't have the yeah, second it's Sunday. Just as huge Mother's coincidences Day. for us Americans. Like, wow. Yeah. Planned. Oh, uh, one more note under this is under miscellaneous trivia, but this is really about Jenny. Uh, according to uh, a book called Doctor Who Companions and Allies, Jenny didn't regenerate. I didn't think she did. Yeah, I, I remember... I'm like, she has like two hearts. Generation. The doctor mentioned she has two hearts. You shoot her through one heart with a bullet and she dies. Excuse me, what? Well, yeah, but the I mean, she kind of like, she kinda like stayed dead for a good long while. Yeah. And then what... And that, she didn't the, like... And turn into a different that. person. She, she looked didn't exactly her face. the same. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So none of that happened, but there was that regeneration energy looking stuff that she breathed out. That was definitely the terraforming. That was. That's exactly what that was. Mm-hmm. It was the same visual. I effect. saw that. I'm like, that's how did that get in her mouth? Yeah. So apparently, uh, she didn't regenerate. She, she was. was resurrected by the terraforming device, much like Spock. Oh yeah. From, we have more yeah, Vulcan connections. That movie. Which movie was Star it? Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Yeah, Spock dies. Oh, yeah. Oh no. Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan, he dies. Yeah. Star Trek Three, he launch a terraforming nuke. Yeah, they, at the planet he was burying on. Um, no, at the at the end of of the second movie, the Genesis planet, the thing, the the Genesis device got turned on and terraformed the planet, and then they shot his space coffin onto the surface of that planet, leaving and him in there. Classic Star Trek techno bubble. He, uh, yeah, it brought him back to life. Right, that brought him back to life. And so he once basically again, regrew up. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he he, he went through like he completely memories. matured back up to the age that you know that 
Leonard Nimoy was at the time in like a week or something like that. So once again, apparently Time Lords are Vulcan or Vulcans are Time Lords. One, I don't know. So, all right. uh, Our checklist, the the baddie of the week. We're going to have to, we're going to have to nix that again and call that the creature of the week uh, was the half. Interestingly, half human, half fish. The the wiki was uh, listed the main villain as uh, General Cobb. I do agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. So he's the one who wanted to go to war even after they said that they weren't correct. Going to even when he learned the truth, he was like, "Well, you know, fighting is all I know." <laughs> I did, I did, I did wonder about that guy. Um, that you know, we 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 get the big reveal that all of this has only been happening for a week. Right. Yeah. Though it's been. <laughs> <laughs> We've been doing this for a little while. Yeah. You haven't Every noticed. at dinner last night, I go, Corbin, mm. are we recording? And he goes, nah. And then your mom goes, Y'all are recording right now? Why are, are y'all going down to record right now? Like, yeah, it's an inside joke. Um, at any rate, um, he looked really old. Like all the other clones there mm-hmm. looked like they were. Yeah. Jenny's age, you know, like in their 20s or maybe 30s or something. Maybe he was the one who knew the truth. I don't think so. I doubt it. He didn't act like it. So I'm trying to figure out, like... In fact, wasn't he the one that said they didn't even remember why they were fighting the war anymore? Yeah. Yeah, he said nobody remembers exactly why other than the half did something terrible or whatever. Uh, But, I mean, he looked like a grizzled old general that had been around for a while, and apparently he was, like, a few hours old, I guess. I mean, you know, like... Who's he cloned off of? Yeah, exactly. Because, like, Jenny, wasn't she a bit younger than Tennant? Yeah, she looked considerably younger than Tennant, and who knows? I mean, maybe she just just looks younger than him or something. I don't know, but um, that bothered me. So, at any rate, um, we did have um, the the, the creature of the week is the half, as Corbin said, half half fish, half half human or something. Something along those lines. We never really got any kind of actual breakdown of that. Yeah. I feel like that's what they said. Who said that? Who said that? Wasn't it like Martha or Donna or somebody? I think it was actually one of the clones. Oh, was it? Yeah. Yeah, actually, yeah, it was, wasn't it? But again, their views were so distorted. Who really knows? Yeah. Because in seven days' time, it went from power-hungry, our general died and we need to terraform the planet, to there's a source that can help us win this almighty war that was sneezed out by the (laughs) creator of the universe. (laughs) I don't think sneeze was the word. No, that was. Um, I do like your artistic interpretation. No, that was. Uh, what was that? Uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, the really? Universe into existence. Oh, nice. I forgot about that one. Amazing. So yeah, so um, we 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 have the sort of fish people things. Uh, they're also progenated clones, yes. but um, I wanted so much more information about that gurgling apparatus. On the uh, front of their face. Apparently yeah, that's like, how I, they communicate and breathe. But yeah, but I just I wanted I wanted so much more information about that. Like how is that? I mean, like it, how do they breathe like that if their gills are on the side of their neck? <laughs> exactly. This is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. And like that little thing of water at the front, green water, doesn't seem to be hooked up to anything. Yeah. Like it doesn't seem like it. It so seems like the it's, air getting. It? That's how much water you get, and that's it. And, and for that matter, how are they blowing bubbles into it? Because bubbles are air. Like, fish don't blow bubbles. It's not a thing they do. Yeah. They suck in water and they blow out water, you know? 
Um, it'd be like us inhaling and then exhaling water. Something's wrong if that ever happens. So um, the half, I, I do, I, I do like the fact that you get a lot of kind of like world building about about the half, but like this is it. We get them this episode, and then that's that's all the explanation we're gonna get. You yeah. know about about the the mask thing on the front. So fantastic. Uh, speaking of fantastic, uh, we didn't get any fantastics this week, but uh, we did get four wells. Uh, <laughs> we had the conversation about uh, the doctor's hand in the jar, and he's talking about how it's very excited. What does an excited severed hand look like, Corbin? Um, um, apparently it wiggles around a lot, which and, is a bit disturbing for a severed hand. And bubbles, I guess. Yeah. Um, and More bubbles. Donna says, you're how sure it's... hand creating bubbles? Huh? How is the hand creating bubbles? I don't know. Uh, Donna says, you're sure it's yours? And he says, well, you know, <laughs> you know I'm pretty sure. Um, let's see. We get, who is she? And he says, well, she's my daughter. I suppose. Uh, isn't that uh, what every soldier is trying to do? Jenny asks the doctor, you know, the doctor says, I'm, I'm, what did the doctor say? I'm, I'm, I'm trying I'm to. I'm not trying to. Trying I'm not trying to win war. a yeah, war. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm not trying to win a war. I'm trying to end it. Right, I'm trying to end the war, and Jenny says, isn't that what every soldier is trying to do? And he says, well, I suppose, but, and then kind of rambles off a little bit there. Yeah, it's smarted you, Doctor. Uh, Donna says, is this the original spaceship the colonists arrived on? And he says, well, it could be, but the power cells would run down uh, after all that time. That brings our running count. Seven days. Seven days. Right, right, right. They did a fantastic job of seeding that that big reveal at the end. Like, you are not, I didn't see that coming. The first time I had forgotten about that element until about halfway into this episode. And then and I'm like, like, Oh yeah, the numbers. Right. <clears throat> um, no, actually I couldn't remember what the numbers were for. I really couldn't. Um, but I, I remembered when, when they, when Cobb was telling like sort of the creation myth, I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I was like, what are they basing this off of? Generations. The war has been going on for generations. Oh, that's right. I remember now. 20 generations every seven days, apparently. Uh, yeah, yeah, something like that. So, <clears throat> uh, no, no, no. He said he said 20 generations a day. Yeah, is what yeah. the doctor said. Yeah, so they've had 140 generations yeah. in a week. So uh, the running count yeah. for our wells uh, comes up to an even 50. Nice even 50. How's that feel, I boys? Like that. Nice Just like the we're episode 46 in season four, episode six. I like oh, that. that's that feels good. Feels good in the soul. Uh, we had, <laughs> we had a triple oi, uh, but we're just going to count it once. She said, oi, 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 cool the beans there, Rambo. <laughs> that was amazing. I didn't notice, I didn't pick up on it particularly until the Wikia pointed it out that she called Jenny G.I. Jane mm-hmm. and then she called that guy Rambo. Uh, so that was fun. But yeah, so we, we're going to count that the as one. The that the Wiki points out. Yeah. We're going to count Food. that as one they occurrence drink. of oi. Well, just I don't like know, guys. Are, what? Huh? Just like we do with what? What? Yeah, yeah. There you go. I was gonna, I was gonna ask you guys. Do you want to count it as one or three? Oh, but yeah, I'm just stupid. like when he says, "What? What? What?" I'm, I'm stupid. <laughs> Trip's like, I thought you would some said something, and Trip was like, "Just like we do with what?" But he meant what? Right. I, I was like, <laughs> "With what?" Oh, wait a second. Uh, that's right. Um, so let's see. We did have a couple of impossible things. Oh, this was a neat bookend. This was a neat way of the doctor embracing Jenny as actually his daughter. At the very beginning of the episode, Donna says, you are completely impossible. And he says, I'm not impossible, just a bit unlikely. And then later on, later on Jenny does the backflips through the laser beams and uh, Donna says, that was impossible. And he says, that not impossible, just a bit unlikely. That is impossible. 
I mean, so yeah, that, that was totally ridiculous. You can't do backwards flips like that through lasers that are everywhere. It, it would have been one thing if, if like, she'd have done, like, a bunch of cool moves, but to just do steady backflips. Yeah, that's... Like, no. that seems like a real security flaw if, mm-hmm. if a set if of backflips can get you through It was a backhand spring. See, uh, yeah. Star Wars had it right. All these other movies... <laughs> Actually, it was... It was handsprings. It's back handsprings. Yeah. Back flips. Thank you, Trip. Thank you for clarifying. Star Wars has did it right. Uh, yeah. I hate to say that about uh, that about the prequels. Every other movie, it's like a ton of lasers going this way and that way. But in pew, pew. Episode One, uh, there's just a wall of laser, so that you actually can't get by it. In the in the, uh, who, the what now? In the reactor room, those. Laser rolls oh, yeah. that would switch back and forth. Gotcha. I mean, that's a bit of a design flaw, but if you want to keep someone out, wall of lasers, not a ton of lasers going every which direction. Right. Ooh. Thank you. Thank you for that clarification. Because then apparently you can just, you know, backhand spring through the entire thing. Well, apparently the wall, the laser wall, you just have to wait for it to randomly cut off in order for some reason. Yeah. Uh, The time war. All we got about the time war was that it was much bigger than the war with the half. The doctor, you know, mentions he kind of, he kind of catches Jenny up on time Lord history a little bit, you know, um, through, through a few little history in three seconds. Yeah. Right. Uh, There was a war. It wasn't good. Um, it was bigger than this one. Uh, the Jibberty Jabberty uh, was was basically progenation, uh, reproduction from a single organism. It means one parent is biological mother and father. You take a sample of diploid cells and split them into haploids, then recombine them in a different arrangement and grow very quickly, apparently. I don't know if <laughs> diploid cells and haploids are an actual thing. I'd be, I'd be uh, curious to know about that. Yes, but. I'm looking it up. Oh, there you go. All right. Uh, under our jiggery pokery, um, oh, I just had a had a quick note on the uh, the TARDIS translation matrix. Um, I, the note that I put was is the translation matrix on the Fritz because you guys had asked like why doesn't she understand the half? Mm-hmm. But then as the episode went on, it seemed like she did. So I was thinking, is she learning? Like at first, it seemed like she was just going off of body language. Yeah. But then it seemed like she definitely knew what she was going really on. Like like Trip said when she goes <laughs> language, you know, like. What the heck? She understood. So she fully understood what he was saying there. Um, but apparently this was one of a few, if not the only episodes where the, the TARDIS is translating for the characters, but not for us. Oh. So apparently she did understand what was being said, even though we couldn't. They And get this. They actually wrote the Hath dialogue in English in the script. So the wow. actors playing the Hath when they were bubbling, they knew what they were saying so that they could use body language to, you know, that would be appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what I didn't get was who controlled the bubbles. I don't know if the actors inside controlled Actually the bubbles. Actually had to pull the bubbles. <laughs> yeah. That would be funny if it was just a tube and they were just <laughs> blowing bubbles through a straw. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, and apparently there was, a, there was a bit of a blooper that, um, that got through. I didn't go back and, and double check this, but the, the wiki mentioned that in the scene where the half are, are like tromping down the hallway with the battering ram and they, you know, they swing the battering ram at the door when they're tromping down the hall and they, the, the lead half puts up his hand. He, you can actually hear him say halt. Really? <laughs> yeah. So apparently that, that got left in there. So, um, uh. that was, that was all the, uh, that was all the jiggery pokery we had. We just had general, the doctor just, you know, 
skin and stuff with the Sonic. And yeah. um, he didn't really do anything unusual with the Sonic or anything yeah. else this week. I looked up this diploid and haploid. Let's thing. hear it. Okay. Diploid cells are cells with two sets of chromosomes. And haploid cells have one set of chromosomes. So I don't know how that relates to cloning at all, but it does. Mm-hmm. So, Sounds like a bunch of nonsense. A bunch of jibberty jibberty. You take a bunch of actual words, throw them into a sentence together, and make it sound smartsy. Smart smartsy. <laughs> Alright, uh, that brings us to the who's who. Uh, nothing on Mar- uh, on Martha. Nothing on Rose this week. Um, she didn't appear uh, mysteriously in a screen or anything mm-hmm. like that, or um, or standing on the road. She wasn't there at all. Uh, who was Martha? Um, I-, I did like that she stepped off the TARDIS and she goes, "Oh, I love this bit." <laughs> you know, when they first step out and they're on a new planet and they're on a new world. You know, she's had the whole conversation with Donna last time mm-hmm. about how dangerous it was and she couldn't do it anymore. And Donna was surprised by Martha's you know, sort of positive reaction, but she's like, yeah, I always loved this part. You know, this, this bit right here is great. And then Donna likens it to like, you just swallowed a hamster. (laughs) I I We we caught that. We were like, uh, what? And what's funny is I was writing my note that she loves the first bit when you step off the TARDIS, when Donna said, like, you just swallowed a hamster. So I thought Martha said that. And I was glad I backed it up and realized it was actually Donna that said that because that that is not a Martha line at all, but yeah. that is totally a Donna line. Like you just swallowed a hamster. You know? <laughs> Where what? did that come from? Yeah, it's no sense. Um, I did like that Donna said her name is Martha and she's not collateral damage to anyone. You know, Donna stepping in and taking charge like she does. Uh, Donna is good with numbers. Here we have again. She was a temp at a library and she mastered the Dewey Decimal System in two days flat. So. Once again, super temp to the rescue. What? Where did that come from? Where did what come from? Like, I mastered the Dewey Decimal System in two days or whatever. Excuse me. I might what? could do that, honestly. Like, you just look at a paper, they're all over the place in libraries. And I Googled it. Yes, diploids and haploids do have to do with. Um, with cloning? Uh, not cloning, but asexual reproduction. Oh, there you go. That's so, And that's what yes, progenation it is was. Yeah. Very good. It, it, it is science. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I stick my hand in a machine, and then they, you know, create a a, a daughter that's fully grown out of that in about yeah. two minutes. That's science. And it science. creates a paradox. Gotcha. Yeah. And it creates a paradox. Okay. Uh, so Donna, um, she she tells uh, Martha at the very end that she plans to travel with that man forever. I thought that was interesting. She's uh, she went from the the woman who couldn't take it after one adventure with the Doctor on Earth. To now, I'm going to travel with that man forever. I can't go back to, you know, my my. She 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 basically asked Martha, "How do you go back to a, a, a regular old life, a simple Apparently life?" Apparently, you don't, considering Martha is now part of Unit, and taking down aliens. And yeah, stuff. yeah. I mean, that's the thing is she she's not. It's not like she went back to her life and picked up where she left off, and nothing ever happened. She's definitely a different person from it. So. Um, let's see, who is the doctor? We had, again, we had a a bunch of stuff here. I mean, you kind of, you know, an episode about the doctor trying to identify with his maybe kind of sort of daughter, you're going to get a lot of information about the doctor. So, um, I did (laughs) love, I love the line. He says, just because I share certain physiological traits with simian primates doesn't make me a monkey's uncle, does it? I'm not a monkey. (laughs) Monkey's uncle. Yeah. Is that what Donna said? Uh, no, that was, uh, Jenny. Jenny. 
Oh, Ginny? Yeah, oh, yeah. Is he not a monkey? monkey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I was too busy laughing at his line to, to catch that one. So. Amazing. Um, I, <laughs> I love uh, Cobb talking about the source, and the doctor says, oh, the source. What's that? I like a source. What's that? <laughs> I like a source. <laughs> it's just fascinating. Oh, shelf. I like a little shelf. <laughs> you said that earlier today, by the way. I did. Yeah, you, you said did. we were talking about historic districts. And you were and I said, some you of them have, talking about old shops. Yeah. Where, I well, was like, did he say little shops? He, no, mm. I, I said uh, a, a, an historic district is like where they have like old houses, sometimes old shops. And you just immediately chimed in and went, I like an old shop. <laughs> I was like, I was trying <laughs> to find too. a way in edgewise to be like, oh, oh, I like a little shop. Do you do? <laughs> so, um, doctor's rubbing off on you there. Uh, let's see. He's, he, um, he tells, um, Cobb or I don't know, one of the, one of the clones, he says, get yourself a better dictionary. And when you do look up genocide, you'll see a little picture of me with the, with the caption over my dead body and man were the tenant teeth in full effect. When he said that line, that was was fantastic. Um, let's see. Jenny insists that the doctor is a soldier. He's strategizing. He's plotting. He's even fighting back with a weapon. She says, oh, you've got a weapon. And he says, ah, it's a screwdriver. And she says, but you're fighting back with it. It's you know. a weapon. That's right, yeah. And we've seen him use it in a, in a weapon-y kind of way, so. Uh, let's see, Jenny, Jenny is only uh, an echo of a Time Lord. A Time Lord is so much more, a sum of knowledge, a code, a shared history, and a shared suffering. And it's gone now, all of it, gone forever. That's sad just one of those. Sad doctor. Oh, sad doctor. Sad tenant. Um, gosh, who is more sad, Eccleston or Tennant? Eccleston. Eccleston is more sad, but Tennant gets sadder when he is sad. I would, I would say, yeah, yeah, I would say Eccleston is is more sad by default. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Tennant is a happier, sillier doctor, but I think that makes his sad moments even sadder. Yeah. You know, like he just plunges into the, and he gets that look on it that. The doctor just gets that Dead look distant in look in his face where he's like, it's like he's looking through time, you know? It's so. like he's literally looking back in time like, yeah. this is so sad, sad, sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. He, um, uh, Jenny says that um, he, you know, he fought and killed in the time war. So how are they different? Uh, this is in that, that same scene where Jenny well, is talking. I was killing Daleks. So that doesn't count. Why does he, why does he sound like that? I don't know. <laughs> They're not human. So that, that, you can't even compare that voice to anything. Just, uh, why no, does he sound really. like that? What uh, is that thing? What is that noise you are making? So, yeah, again, in the same scene, this is a great scene. There's a lot of, um, lot of doctor information here. Uh, Jenny says, what are Time Lords for? What do you do? Well, she says, what are Time Lords for? And he says, for? They're not for anything. Because she's thinking in terms of she was created to be a soldier. Um, yeah, like the Daleks. So, so she says, well, what what do you do? And he says, I travel through space and time. Oh, no, no. He, yeah, he says, I travel through space and time. And then Donna says, he saves planets, rescues civilizations, defeats terrible creatures, and runs a lot. Seriously, there's an outrageous amount of running involved. That's the line <laughs> yeah, I've been waiting for for three this, seasons. We mentioned this the first episode. Yes. When the doctor said run. Run for your life. Nice to meet you, Rose. I'm the doctor. Run for your life. We put it on the checklist because of this. Yes. This, yes. Uh, so I was I was thinking that there was a lot more shouting of the word run, and it turns out really it's just there is a lot of running, yes. which is true. There is Every a time they run... We must write it down and record it <laughs> for the history books. 
That's right. For the records. It's uh, like 50,000 an episode. Oh, gosh. So so much running. Seriously, there's an awful lot of running. <laughs> but it's just an outrageous mm-hmm. amount of running involved. I couldn't remember who said that line. I, th- mm-hmm. I had it in my head as Martha. And then when Martha never said it, I was like, huh, why do I have that? And so apparently it was because it was a Martha uh-huh. episode during Donna's time. So And, the, and Donna said it, not Martha. So. Uh, yeah. Oh, no, exactly. So. Martha just happened to be there in the episode. Yeah. It was probably during Martha's time. My brain got it got it uh, crossed there. So Martha was in the last episode. Eh, it was in Martha's time. <laughs> so um, the, the doctor says that uh, the killing, it infects you. And once it does, you're never rid of it. Uh, Jenny says, but we, uh, but we don't have a choice. And he says, we always have a choice. And, and then um, she doesn't kill them. Wow. Right. Yeah. She chooses, wow. she, she chooses not to. And this is all kind of part of, um, the doc, the doctor is kind of like has rounded this corner where he's, he's, I don't know if it happened after the Empress of Ragnos, uh, incident there, but we're definitely going to see that pacifism being more a core part of who the doctor is. And I don't know if it's because of what happened with the Empress of Ragnos. Um, I, I don't know. So who knows? Uh, Donna tells him you talk all the time and you don't say anything. I was like, ouch. <laughs> pretty <laughs> sad doctor. Pretty, pretty um, <laughs> sad doctor. It pretty well sums up the doctor though. I think so. Sad doctor. Uh, let's see. He says when his family died, a part of him died too. Um, again, sad doctor. Sad doctor. Every time he says something sad like that, that's what we need to say. Sad doctor. He says, I'm the doctor and I declare this war is over. And then apparently the way you activate a third generation terraforming device is by but throwing it on the ground. It on the globe. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Smashing it like a snow globe that you got from the Dollar Tree. I thought he was going to take it and like put it on the planet and it was going to make some effect or something. When he was holding it up and he said, I declare this war over, it didn't it look like there was a big red button under it or something? Yeah. yeah. Like I thought he was, yeah, I thought he was going to set it down and that was going to activate it or he was going to hit the big button and it was going to fly up into the sky. No, apparently. Smashes it on the ground. Yeah, you smash it and apparently a sphere the size of a, of a overinflated basketball has enough of the right gases to terraform a planet. Like, how does that it's work? Yeah. yeah, not to mention all the planets that's on plants that suddenly grow and all that. Uh, yeah, yeah, all of that and just spontaneously generates. How was it creating all of the plants uh, in the room when it was still contained? It's filled with pin particles. Jiggery pokery. Pin uh, particles. It's all compressed. Oh, down. maybe that's what it was. All right, so um, he uh, he tells the, the humans and the half at the very end there, he tells them to make the foundation of this society a man who never would. Uh, that's A.K.A. When he, myself. Right, right, right. So he, he takes... Me the so I can have he takes bragging the, rights on this planet. <laughs> he takes the gun and, and walks over uh, after, after Cobb kills Jenny. He takes the gun and, and goes over and points it at his head, cocks the gun, points it at his head, breathes really hard through the tenant teeth. Like uh, making it seem like whole minutes. Uh, yeah, he oh, no, breathed a long so time holding that gun. Like <laughs> intense breathing. That's right. And I wonder if the captions said that. Definitely intense breathing. <laughs> <laughs> he he definitely made it seem like uh, you know he was going to take retribution and maybe get some revenge or justice or whatever you want to call it. And then says, I never would. That's what you don't understand. Make the foundation of this, of this society, a man who never would. All right. Other stuff we noticed. I just wanted to make note of so many gurgles because again, we watched, we watched this with uh, closed captioning on uh, for a lot of reasons. 
And I wanted to point out all of the different ways that the closed captioning interpreted the Hath speech. So first of all, we had gurgles. So every time a Hath was speaking, it just said gurgles. And then there was a... It would be amazing if they actually put the time in to write down what it was actually saying in the closed captions. Oh, from the the script? Yeah. That would be funny. Um, We need to get that script and do that. (laughs) Uh, so a bunch of Hath were speaking all at the same time. So the closed captioning says all gurgle. <laughs> um, like then all we, cheer or something. But exa- no, exactly. Exactly. Then we had a gurgled sigh, <laughs> which is perhaps my favorite. Relieved sigh. No, gurgled sigh. A gurgled sigh. Then we had Whoa. loud gurgling. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that one. And then we had moaning and gurgling. <laughs> when he was being eaten by the quicksand. Yeah, when he was going down in the quicksand, moaning and gurgling. Because you did hear along with for some reason. Because apparently he can't vocalize anything, but he can moan. So, um, so again, can we, can we just talk a minute for, uh, about, about needless, 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 uh, sacrificial deaths. Um, can anybody explain to me why Peck Half Peck had to die. He didn't. Because it's emotional. <laughs> Trip goes, he didn't. Same Corbin reason says, Bambi's parents had to die. <laughs> <laughs> no, that at least made sense. A hunter shot them. I mean, you know, that at least kind of makes sense. But I mean, I don't I mean, understand why she was stuck. It's she. Was it a she? Martha. Martha was oh, Martha. stuck. Like, why was Martha stuck? I don't randomly And why was the fish? For no reason. Why was the fish that could swim stuck? I know. Like, you would it's think that person played ones. quicksand. Like, oh no. Don't worry, I'm sure he came back in the comics at some point. <laughs> comics do. <laughs> Every superhero in the comic she, books have She died. gets back and they had just cloned him right before he left. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where he's reaching out. And I'm like, that is the weakest reach out for my hand that I've ever seen. And that's, that, that trope is always weak. Like, reach out just a little further. You know, that's always so weak. But that yes. was like, this was the weakest one so far because he was nowhere near her. He was like this. Their, their fingertips the were like four and a half feet apart. <laughs> and he's just like, I'm going to reach you. I'm sorry. What I meant to say was... <laughs> gurgle. Uh, Gurgles. Intense gurgling. Uh, <laughs> I think that was actually sorry. one of them. Dramatic gurgling. And... Um, then, then he, you see this look of resolve on his face, apparently, where he jumps over her, basically, <laughs> and lands in the water behind her and is clearly only standing in water up to his waist. The water is clearly only up to his waist. And he is able to just pick her up and manhand- fish handle her and toss her up <laughs> onto the rocks, the worst of all, but doesn't all. have the ability to then walk out of there with the water up to his hips. First of all, first of all, why doesn't he jump in front of Martha, pick her up, put her on, and then climb up himself? Uh Uh-huh. And why didn't Martha just swim forward a bit? Oh! Why is he... Grab me now! Why did he sink so much... Why did he sink so much faster than Martha did? Yeah, right. We look at Martha, her horrified face. We look back at her, his head is almost under her. Excuse me, what? What? Not not to, not to, um, not to, to to pick at a, at a wound here. 
um, but I'm going to bring up everyone's favorite childhood trauma, Artex dying in the swamp of sadness. It, it was definitely an oh, Artex was... moment where Artex like sinks over the course of 30 seconds, right? <laughs> when we establish... We're walking through the swamp this entire time. Well, no, it's it's the sadness overcomes him, right? So and apparently once that we... causes you to sink into the swamp. Yeah, that's that's the whole thing about the swamp, the swamp of sadness. And yet, but kid is, starts crying and right, and that's sink. the point is that <clears throat> the horse sinks in like thirty seconds, <laughs> but then as he's walking along crying and Gamorg is coming after him, and then uh, uh, um, stink the luck dragon. <laughs> what's the luck dragon's name? <laughs> I don't know. Come on, guys. What's the luck dragon's name? People are screaming into their iPods right now. <laughs> I haven't said that one in a while. I had to pull that one back out. Um, Not a Treyu. That was, um, that's the boy. The horse is Artex. And the luck dragon is Falcor. Thank you. Why do you Um, remember the horse's name and not the dragon's? Because when I was your age, do you know what my nightmares sounded like? Artex! No! Hold your mic across the room. <laughs> For the sake of my listeners, I, I pulled my mic. Their, their ears are probably still bleeding. That's right what now. that's what my nightmare sounded like when I was your age. <laughs> Don't give in to the sadness. <laughs> Don't let it overkill me. You're gonna die, stupid horse! I'm laughing so much I'm actually good. It's amazing. So, um, that's why I remember his name. Um, <laughs> but, but in the same way, when, when Atreyu is walking later on and it's clear that he's giving in and if something doesn't intervene, if we don't get a deus ex machina where something flies out of the sky and pulls him up. What does that mean? Deus ex machina? Yeah. It literally means God from the machine. It was <laughs> an old Greek trope where a, a, a literal God at the end of, at the end of a play, at the end of a Greek tragedy or, or whatever, a god would swoop in and save the day. And they literally had machinery that would raise up an actor or a prop that was the god and it would come in and swoop in and save the day. So anytime you have like at the last second something that had no lead up, that had no no hints dropped about it, just all of a sudden Yeah, Falcor is 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 not a technically a deus ex machina because he doesn't save the whole movie at the end. He just, but he just swoops in out of nowhere. We've had no mention of a flipping luck dragon up until this point. But, but my point is Corbin, uh, that he, he is slowly trudging along and gradually sinking in over the period of what looks to be hours. But our whole time, obviously more depressed than than the horse horse could have possibly been. Yeah. The horse was sad because it was gloomy. You know, Atreyu was sad because his best friend in the world just drowned in front of him. (laughs) Good night, children. I'm (laughs) laughing at dad's nightmare. Sleep, sleep tight tonight, children. Um, But in the same way, yeah, Martha's standing there forever. Forever before the half even makes his way down the the hill or whatever. Save me! And oh my goodness! Me. I'm totally sinking. Right. It's and been then, like eight hours. I'm, I'm not in three foot deep water. And it, right al- now. it, yeah, it almost seems like you know he jumps in, he grabs Martha, he throws right. her out, and then it's almost like he goes, "All right, deuces, I'm out, I'm done, I'm giving up." You don't you know? need me anymore. Yeah. Right. yeah. Okay. Water. I have fulfilled my role on this show. Goodbye. I'm a fish. Um, 
And I, I, can I was sweat. hoping he would go back to the present with her. <laughs> that'd be awesome. Oh, that'd be that'd be hilarious. But holy this cow! This is my pet. <laughs> but can we can can we just ask real quick who had a more dramatic reaction to watching someone drown in a swamp, Atreyu or Martha? Holy cow! Martha. Did she freak out? Martha. Holy cow! Half I've known for probably twenty minutes now that'll probably die in another twenty anymore. <laughs> <laughs> His entire generation is already extinct. He's the last. Um, yeah. So, anyways, lots of gurgling, including the moaning gurgling. That's 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 where we uh, that's where we left off. Dives there, so. into swamp, moaning right. and gurgling. Uh, Jared has our our uh, classic Who connection for the Doctor's daughter, and um, an interesting an interesting connection here that he makes. So let's check this out. Hello, noobs in the Whovian. It's Jared here bringing you your classic Who connections, this time for the episode, The Doctor's Daughter. I could only find a couple of small connections this time. Uh, One is, uh, I think, a legitimate connection, and the other might just be a coincidence. I'm not sure. So I'll let you all decide. So let's start with that one. Uh, this, the start of this episode is reminiscent to the start of the second Doctor serial, The Web of Fear. You might recall that in your last episode, I mentioned this one also, and this is where the Yetis are attacking London with their web guns that leave some sort of virus behind. I forgot about this. It's kind of strange. You just have to watch the episode to really get it. But uh, I'm going to jump in here real quick and say, when when he mentioned this last time, I let the phrase, the Yetis are attacking, I just let that slide because I'm like, what? The Yetis are attacking? Now, the and, Yetis are attacking with their web guns that give you viruses. Correct, yeah. So he brought like it up again that the Yetis... Spider-Man universe. Right. So, um, so I, I went and I looked it up. Apparently, there's some sort of robotic creatures that were created and they do kind of look like an abominable snowman type of uh, an abominable snow monster type of creature um so yeah that's that's what those things are all about and so, they had web guns uh i uh, you know i didn't go that far into I'm waiting it waiting for I, into the spider verse too I, I did see a picture <laughs> and uh and holy cow did those things they did not age well they they are very dated looking but let's let's tune back in The Web of Fear starts out with the Doctor and his companions being taken to a place uh, by the TARDIS, not under their uh, choosing, but that's not that odd for this period because, of course, the navigational controls are still messed up. But it takes them to this area, and soon enough they find themselves in tunnels where the British army is engaging with the enemies, in this case the Yetis. And the soldiers are surprised to find them down there. And, of course, they expect them to know what's going on because everybody knows what's going on. But, of course, they don't because they just showed up out of time and space. And also, their last-ditch effort is to just blow up the tunnel if they aren't winning against the Yetis, which, for most of the serial, they're not winning against the Yetis. That's where the similarities end. So you decide, is that coincidence? Is that the writers saying, hey, this was a really cool start. I'm going to use this start, and then I'm going to take it in a different direction. Or did they think, hey, we're writing a story, and it's it's going to be fighting in tunnels. And, you know, remember back at the Web of Fear? They were fighting in tunnels also, and that'd be cool to use the same kind of beginning. I leave it up to you. But- I, I'm going to say that sounds like a really strong connection. Yeah. Personally, yeah, was, when you describe it that way. Um, I kind of think it's like just 
Like, it's something, like, when you have a good idea and you just don't realize that you've used it again. <laughs> it sounds like just a coincidence, yeah. but But how alike they sort of are. Yeah. And, and you know what? This may be one of those things, um, sort of infinite diversity and infinite combination. You do enough Doctor Who episodes, you're going to have two of them that start out the same way. Yeah. Maybe. But it sounds... It sounds like some sort of a callback or homage or something like that. So, yeah. anywho, uh, let's check out what's going on here. But the one that I do think is a genuine uh, connection is that the ship that Jenny takes off in in the end, where she's excited to go explore the whole of the universe, much like the Doctor. If you look at the interior of that ship, you all should recognize some of the elements of the original TARDIS because you've seen an unearthly child, and of course all your listeners are keeping up with everything, so they've seen an unearthly child, they've seen the original TARDIS, and there are some definitely some similarities. I don't think that can be a coincidence. So uh, that's all I've got really for the connections. I did want to go back uh, two episodes of yours back because you asked, and I totally forgot last week, was there any doctors who regenerated in the middle of a season? And I looked through, and all I could find was the regeneration from the first to the second Doctor, which I'm pretty sure you already mentioned. Yeah. Um, everything else happens. The Doctor uh, goes into his regeneration at the end of the season, and you may see the new face, but then you're introduced to the new Doctor at the start of the next season. Well, so that we that's the only okay. time I can find where it, it didn't match up with uh, the, the changing of the seasons. For the- uh, It was more what? more convenient that way yeah. yeah yeah i mean it makes sense to kind of end a season that way mm-hmm. um if i remember correctly uh there's there's one where the regeneration um the regeneration happened at the end of a season and if i remember correctly the next doctor hadn't actually been cast yet so you notice D- uh, jared said uh uh sometimes you see the face of the new doctor I, i'm wanting to say that there's one where basically the doctor like fell over dead and I don't know if, how much regeneration actually happened, <clears throat> but what they what they did was the the next season. Now they've got the new the new doctor in there. They put the new doctor in, uh, you know, in the in the in the in the in the old doctor's costume because that's what always happens. You regenerate, and so you have the doctor start out in the last doctor's costume. Mm-hmm. But they put a a really bad wig of the last actor's hair on him and had him lay down face face down as as he was <laughs> and then like played the regeneration music or uh, you know sound effects or whatever and then when they rolled him over oh look it's the new actor <laughs> so i'll have to look that one up but i think i'm right about that if i'm not That's i'm sure jared will correct to... me in two to three episodes all right um, so i'm, I'm going to leave a question for the noobs and your noob listeners so those that that haven't seen uh beyond the Doctor's Daughter in, in episodes. Do you think that Jenny is Susan Foreman's mother? Remember, Susan Foreman is the Doctor's granddaughter. We're introduced back in An Unearthly Child. Do you think that they'll connect the story so that Jenny is, being the Doctor's daughter, Susan's mother? So all that's left for me is to uh, give the episode a rating and 
as one of the noobs mentioned last time, uh, they it's they're getting hard to rate. I mean, it, I don't think this was a bad episode by any means, but it wasn't one that's really stuck with me. It's not one that it's like, oh, I got to go watch that again. And I think that's what I got to think about more when I'm giving these a rating. So I'm going to give this one a solid seven P90 rifles because that's what... Uh, it's a modified P90 rifle is handed to Jenny at the beginning of the episode when she appears. And I'm going to give it a creep level of 300, which may seem a little high for this episode. But uh, first of all, uh, creating, just shoving someone's arm in a machine and being able to create an entire life out of that, uh, an entire other person out of that in a matter of seconds, that's kind of creepy to me. But also... If you look closely enough, you, in fact, you may have already mentioned this in the episode, the injury on his hand was the same one as in The Empty Child, and any sort of connection to The Empty, empty Child just, just sends chills all down my spine. I didn't really need any uh, help on this one. In fact, my memory was taking the week off because it was too tired from thinking up potato jokes from last week. So uh, just thank you to BritBox for letting me watch The Web of Fear. Thanks, all, thanks for having me on, and I look forward to bringing you more classic Who connections next time. Uh, I like that uh, he his creep level this time this time was um, was existential creep factor. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um, um, so, oh yeah, go ahead. I have an answer to your question. I'm going to say no, and I have solid evidence for this, but I'm not going to say it till what's, next episode. What's the question? Is Jenny Susan's mother? I'm going. Oh, oh, oh! I have evidence for why, but I'm not going to say it till next episode because, uh, just so we can have listener input on that first. Okay, good, good call. I'm going to put uh, so I'm going to put a note about that in the theory section. So we need to remember that um, for next time. We'll also um, we'll put up a poll um, on the on the Facebook page, and uh, we want some some noobs to to get in there and vote. Um, so if you're a listener and you're a noob and uh, you're too young for Facebook or something like that, have your have your parents uh, come find us at facebook.com/noobsandthehoovian, and uh, they can vote on on your behalf. Tell them to put put your name down in the comments if they want to. They can vote and they can say I'm voting on behalf of Jimmy. <laughs> Stupid Jimmy. Anyway. <laughs> no offense to anyone out no there offense named Jimmy. To, I've offended all of our Jimmy listeners out there. All uh, the mini that we all, have. All of the Jimmys have just unsubscribed. <laughs> oh, man. Downloads are down this week. What happened? All the Jimmys left Austin. All right. Uh, so overall impressions trip. Um, what do you got, man? What are you, you going to say here? Um, so I think the overall rating, I'm going to do an 8.5. Okay. Like, Specific. this one wasn't really, like, the best episode possible, but uh-huh. I say it's about an average. And I did, like, the whole, um, like, the new, how, like, it had been, like, generations and generations and stuff when it had only been, like, seven days. Like, I like that whole, like, the mystery part of it mm-hmm. was good. I, I like mysteries like that. So I'm going to do 8.5. Um, dying pecs. <laughs> <laughs> Needlessly dying pecs. <coughs> That's um, amazing. Trip, you know what? You just changed my mind. I was about to give it a 7. Um, going with uh, the idea of it, of it being an average one. Yeah. Until you reminded me that there was a great mystery that wasn't even really a mystery it was a, it was a twist at the end 
about them having only been there a week that they did not overly telegraph. Like they didn't, it's not like you got to that point and everybody had figured it out except for the characters. Like it was a genuine yeah. surprise, mm-hmm. uh, apparently twice for me. <laughs> so um, with, with that in mind, I'm going to, I was going to say seven. I'm going to raise it to eight uh, dramatic gurgles. Dramatic gurgles. <laughs> yeah. Corbin, what do you got, man? Um, I'm going to say this is an eight because I liked it. And I just now figured out, or not just now, but just recently figured out what the paradox he was talking about at the end was. It, okay. So the TARDIS is drawn there because of Ginny. Right. Gets there too early. Right. So the doctor has his sample taken to create Ginny. Right. And it's a weird paradox, but eh, it's a paradox, eh. and I like paradoxes. Right. Because I like hurting my brain. And it was a solid episode okay. as well. The stuff y'all mentioned. <coughs> so, eight. Uh, mm, I, don't, I don't know. You know, both did half-related things. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Eight clone machines that look like chest drawers or something. What? (laughs) I don't know. They just looked really weird. Okay. All right. So uh, my creep level, I I don't know that I had anything really creepy. I mean, even the half were kind of not creepy. Mildly disturbing. Yeah. I mean, like the first time you see him, but like as soon as Martha's on that side and she like fixes Peck's shoulder and he starts like, you know. His dislocated fish shoulder. (laughs) Yeah. Hang on, I'm chasing, changing mine. Eight dislocated <laughs> fish shoulders. Hang on, hang on, I gotta go change my vote. Eight dislocated fish shoulders. I love it. Uh, all right. Better. Uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it, uh, I'm gonna give it uh, seventy-five creep levels just for the the face of the half. And then an extra five creep levels for reminding me about our text. So we're going to give it 80 out of 500 creep levels. Uh, Trip, what do you got? Wait, so it reminded you of our text, which made you, made it even creepier in your mind? Yeah. Oh. The swamps of sadness are a terrifying place. Do you deny it? Uh. <laughs> Trip, what are <laughs> Oh, Oh, that's fun. That's fun times. What was that? Oh, boy. I I don't think it's that creepy. It's just a swamp, and the horse died, and there's a giant turtle there for some reason (laughs) that's allergic to humans or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Tripp, what's your creep level? I feel you went a bit... I can't wait to listen to this one next week. All right, trip. What now? <laughs> I feel you went a bit low on this one. Okay. Like, you normally do it from like Brayden's perspective, so yeah. I would assume it would be a lot higher than that. Okay. So I'm gonna say, like, this one wasn't like an actually creepy one, but like, it's. I say this a lot. It had its parts. Uh huh. Like, on the planet's surface, that was kind of like a creepy feel to it. Like, oh my okay. goodness, something's probably going to jump out and kill the Binary star system, they're definitely, but a completely dark planet. 
Yeah, yeah. But there there definitely should have been some sort of monster that attacked them, not just a sand pit. Yeah, that should have killed Peg. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you definitely... Then it would have been a less needless death. You know, you know what, though? A, a vaguely watery grave was probably cheaper than manufacturing a CGI creature to kill him or a dude in a suit. They couldn't. They couldn't have Paul Casey attack himself. So, you know. Anyway. Get a little bit. All right. Awkward. So, what, what's your what's your level then? Um, I'm gonna say 134. Okay. It's, it's definitely one of the lower ones. I just yeah. feel like there wasn't much creepy in it. Yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. Is like even. I mean, I think the creepiest thing in the episode is are the half, and yeah. they're not all that creepy. They're kind of more. They're funny. too cute to be half. To be <laughs> yeah. So I almost said Especially they're too cute to be happy. <laughs> so almost. <laughs> All right, Corbin, what do you got, man? What's your what what level are you putting it? Um, at? I mean, it wasn't that crazy, but I still kind of default crazy to not zero crazy. I meant creepy. I meant to say creepy. Okay, I was wondering. I I still kind of default though to fifty. Just there were aspects that were a little creepy. The fish face. The weird planet surface with again like we said trinary star system and no light on the surface which is just yeah. weird yeah so i mean it wasn't that creepy but i'll still give it a 50 okay which means generally i'm the lowest ranker generally yeah yeah all right um so theories we didn't uh well did did, did you guys have any theories that you wanted to discuss didn't we're gonna corbin discuss said, corbin said he had a theory well that we're gonna talk about that wait that's a teaser. That's that's coming next week because I need to do some actual research on this one. Okay. Okay. So, be looking forward to that. <laughs> it's. I will assure you, it is not another theory about oh, this person is a time lord. Oh, okay. So yeah. So you did say you had a theory for this week. Yeah. Not the Jenny being Susan's mother. Oh, well, yeah. A whole other one, but you still need to do more Two research theories on next week. Oh, oh my gosh. Get ready for a theory-packed episode. Well, I mean, the one for Jenny is kind of simple in my mind, but... Okay. Um, so, listener input. We didn't have a, a ton this week. Um, the uh, the old Gmail is, is getting kind of... It's getting kind of quiet in there. It's just, Same. it's basically just me and Jared talking all the time. So. Yep. And, and Apple. Jared has segments on the show. That's right. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. basically he and I talking shop and then Apple saying, uh, look at this thing about iTunes that you can do now. Uh, so we did have, um, Christina did, um, did uh, share a post on the page. And I realized that when, when you go to a page that you like and you share a post, it doesn't really get seen by anybody. And I realized that today. So I actually went and shared it from our page. So, um, and I, and I gave her uh, a quick shout out about that. Uh, it was a fun little, um, Harry Potter, Dr. Who crossover. Did I not show it to you guys? No, you did not. No, I thought I, I did. I don't think so. Not me. Or you showed me. He thinks he's ginger. You okay. Did not right. show me that. One. Okay. You showed me the one where she was, someone was like, I liked y'all's episode better than the Centauran stratagem itself. Oh yeah, oh, that was yeah, that was. Oh, I'm glad you pointed that out. Yeah, 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 that was Christina as well. Um, she said that she enjoyed listening to our episode about the Sontaran stratagem more than she enjoyed watching the episode, the Sontaran <laughs> stratagem. Doctor Who should feel bad. Uh, yes, they should. Yeah, they sh they should take lessons from us. What am I saying? Um, okay. So at any rate, um, they should be more. 
comedy like us. That's right. So go check out facebook.com slash noobs in the Whovian. You can see that post uh, that I shared of Christina's. And um, and just, just a quick note here, guys, in the listener input section to give us some input. Uh, get us, get us a, uh, give us a review wherever you found us. Um, iTunes helps out a lot, but anywhere that you found us and download from us, leave us a review. Um, another thing you can do and is if you've already left us a review on iTunes, do this for me. Go to our Facebook page and leave us a review there because that also helps. We've got mm-hmm. at least one, maybe two. Um, I know Fred left us one there um, early on. Um, so if you can go there and click, would you recommend Noobs in the Whovian? You can click yes, or you can also click on a one to five stars and leave like an actual review. And um, and clicking on five stars is awesome and helps out a lot. Reviews help even more because that's that's even more information for people. Um, if you can say, you know, hey, uh, this is a great show with a, a father and his two sons and it's awesome and, you know, that kind of thing. How do you spell that, though? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Spell check would catch all that. So. That's right. <laughs> all right. Uh, so send in recording. The, uh, the game plan as, as we're um, hurtling towards the future. Eh. 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 <laughs> all the fa- all the faces around the room. I come from eighteen. <laughs> I come no. all the way from nineteen eighty four to tell you this. All right. Yeah. Um, so at any rate, um, the next episode is the unicorn and the wasp, of course, and then we're gonna do our mid season break for a timey wimey. We're gonna be covering uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, uh, Harry Potter, Prisoner of Azkaban, Three. that being the movie. All right, and I think we put it in our in our last post, but we'll we'll include it in this one as well. That uh, if you haven't seen the first two movies, now's your chance to go watch those and get all caught up. They're amazing, trust me. All yeah, of them. and I would, I would, I would venture to say you probably need those before you watch part three, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would I mean, say yeah. so. Um, Unless Corbin, you don't want to have any clue what you're watching. That's right. Corbin pointed mm-hmm. out that um, the book deal, deals with time travel significantly less yeah. than the movie. So, um, so we'll be basing a lot the movie. Yeah. So, um, so we so far, we've done a TV episode and we've done movies. And we said that we were going to break into other media as well. And we haven't yet. Um, so uh, one of these days, we need to do like a story, like a book a story. We need to do a book of some kind or something like that. So, uh, so go check out, uh, you have two weeks from now to watch those three movies, which hopefully should be enough time. That's right. Uh, the first two Harry Potters and then the prisoner of Azkaban. If you've already watched the first seven movies, that's right. Um, (laughs) if Dr. Strange at some point, Hey, we got to cover Doctor Strange at some point. Mm, that would be good. I just realized Ooh. That. We're nearing up on watching that ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> the noise this trip has been making today. <laughs> wow. Uh, don't encourage him, please. He's just going to do more. Uh, so at any rate, um, that's, that's what's coming up um, for uh, the timey-wimey. And then, and then, and then, and then, and then, then, then. we get to... Probably my favorite episode this or my favorite story this season. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna call it. I'm gonna call it right now. After that, we get to my favorite episode of the season, uh, or excuse me, two parter. It's a two parter. Silence in the library, followed by the Forest of the Dead. That um, sounds amazing. Whatever it is, it is. It. it is a fantastic story for so many reasons. Very many. Reasons. It's got. It's got a. Um, all right. So, so you know how. We, we've said that the doctor 
or excuse me, the Doctor Who sometimes clues us into why the things that we're afraid of as children we should continue oh. to always be afraid of because if it's oh, actually real, like then it's even worse than what we thought when we were a kid. Mm, like um, mirrors. You know, huh? Like mirrors. Like, like mirrors. yeah, like when you see something behind you in the mirror or when you feel that tickle on the back of your neck. It's a little or, girl. <laughs> huh? What was the tickle little on girl. the back of the neck again? Oh, we haven't gotten to that one yet. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we, oh, spoilers. but that's no. that's that, that, that's coming this season. That's, that's that thing <laughs> hiding under your bed. That's also Whoa, coming this season. Um, yeah, it's actually a robot wearing a weird clown mask. Uh, that's right. That's right. Um, ticking clocks. Why should we be afraid of ticking clocks? And uh, why should and we why should be afraid of the dark? And all kinds of all kinds of amazingness. But also, we're going clocks? to we're going to meet um, statues. One of my favorite Doctor Who characters. One of my Favorite Doctor Who characters. Um, it, we're gonna we're gonna finally meet that character. So, Mr. Suntaran guy. Huh? No, 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 no. No, Strax. Strax doesn't come until uh, part way through Matt Smith's time. Like he's oh. he's a long way down the road. Um, and he's my he's 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 a he's one of my fave just like goofball characters. But this character that we're about to meet is um, uh, so much, so so much. Um, and I'll, I'll, I have to just cut myself off right now by saying, spoilers, sweetie, spoilers. Spoilers. That's what he always says. Huh? That's what he always says. That's right. So, um, we've got that coming up. Um, that's all I have for the, for the, for the game plan. Then we're just marching on through the rest of the season. Uh, so next time, as we said, we're going to be covering the unicorn and the wasp. That's season four, episode seven. And remember, um, occasionally we get tripped up on the numbers here because if you're watching this on Amazon prime, it'll be episode eight, I think, because they count the Christmas episode as episode one. And yeah, they do all kinds of weird stuff. And you know what I just realized? The last episode of the season on Amazon right now is, the next Christmas episode. Wait, what? So I think that I think episode one is the Christmas episode from one year, and then the last episode of the season is the Christmas episode of this season. So, anyways, and and let me just say, by the way, uh, for for listeners that are following along via Amazon Prime, uh, it gets really tricky after this season. <laughs> okay, because oh. they no longer bundle the Christmas episodes in. That's why. We start and end this season with a Christmas episode because then we're going to go into the David Tennant specials. And then when we get into 11, from that point on, the Christmas episodes are their own standalone thing. So when we get there, I'll address that. Um, so, uh, okay. oh, 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 going back to Prisoner of Azkaban. If, um, if you're interested, guys, I'm going to put links on the show notes to, um, to Amazon where you can buy the DVDs. Um, mm-hmm. I think I found a really good, um, like, like two-box set. Like, I think I found where you can get the um, the DVD for Prisoner of Azkaban for, for pretty cheap, like maybe eight bucks. But I found... I you could get the whole thing for, like, 10, 15. I think you could get, like, the whole, like, the seven, seven, wait, is it seven eight or eight movies? movies? It's the eight whole, movies. I think you can get the whole eight-movie bundle for, like, like, I think it was like twenty bucks, maybe. Yeah, it was it was super cheap. I it remember was, that it part. It was really cheap. Um, so again, uh, it's it's in the show notes from uh, the last episode. I'll put it in this episode as well, so you can buy uh, the DVDs, or you can just uh, sign up for Amazon Prime if you don't already have it, and um, and and catch it through there. Actually, now that I'm saying that, I don't remember if it is on Amazon Prime. So at any rate, I think that's how we. No, we watched it at the library. I was gonna say. 
We got yeah. the DVDs from the library. We got all our DVDs from the library. Yeah. Yeah, that's another thing. We, it's we used to be give a our, local library. We used to give our shout out to uh, to our local library. Um, we'll have so to do that. We stopped and using them, kind of. So. Yeah. Well, now we're streaming it on uh, on Prime. Okay. So Blu-ray of of Prisoner of Azkaban for nine dollars and ninety six cents, and then you mm-hmm. can get a two DVD pack of the first two movies for eleven ninety nine. So if you want to go that route, um, you can and do that. Assuming and, you have Blu-ray. Uh, yeah. And yeah, uh, and if not, if not, if you're thinking about buying it through Amazon at all, go to our website, noobsinthehoovian.com. Look for um, the show notes on this episode and the last one and click on our link. And then when you make your purchase through Amazon, it won't change your price at all. But Amazon will thank us by giving us uh, some of the proceeds from have the sale. Have you any money from that yet? Um, I, I don't know. I haven't checked. Um, a half a cent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. If <laughs> if all of our listeners went out and bought Prisoner of Azkaban, we'll we'll probably net thirty seven cents. It'll be amazing. <laughs> oh my goodness! <clears throat> That's wow. The we can most we can pay I've for the made. yeah we can pay for the electricity that it takes to run one of these three laptop screens for the first five minutes of the episode. <laughs> At any rate, guys, we spent like forty dollars on all this equipment. Actually, did you say forty dollars? <laughs> it was more than that. You think we've put forty dollars out? Is that what you think? It was more than that, wasn't it? It was. I think it was twice that for the soundboard. <laughs> so, at any rate, guys, we need money. Uh, Noobs in the Whovian is a. <laughs> oh, we're gonna go start a Patreon. Noobs in the Whovian is a production of Master Closet Studios, where it's always smaller on the inside. Your senior producer is me, Austin Reason. Our audio engineer is that guy. Hi, I'm Trip. And our production editor is Corbin. <laughs> Special thanks to TARDIS.Wikia.com for the trivia and to Jared for the classic Who connection. Uh, you can find us at Facebook.com slash Noobs in the Whovian. Go to us directly at Noobs in the Whovian.com. And you can uh, email us at Noobs in the Whovian at gmail.com. You can also send us a message on our Facebook page. Make sure that wherever you found us, you subscribe and leave us a rating and some stars. Make sure that you share us with a friend, not because we're a great show, but because we watch one. Until next time, my name is Austin. I'm the Hoovy, and these are my sons, Corbin and Tripp. And we're the news. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. Be whip. Live from Master Closet Studios, you're listening to some guys in a closet. Because I'm a closet. I'm not in a closet. <laughs> Wait, what? Wait, what? Mm-hmm. I am transversing space and time to be here with you today. Ah. I am from the future. There's and I'm a uh, not in a closet. All right. Live from are we still recording? Yeah. Live from Master Closet Studios. My name is Austin and that's my other son. Hi, I'm the other son person. <laughs> Dang. I don't like know why how I said you mentioned other. trip first as the other son. I don't know why I said other son. And this is that son. Hi, I'm Corbin. And I'm better than the other son. I listened to this one podcast where this guy had to pee midway through and he got up and peed in his Gatorade bottle just yeah. during the episode. What podcast? <laughs> I don't remember. Can you need to remember so that we can tell our listeners not to go subscribe. Can you not excuse me? Can you not pause no the podcast in the middle? I'm saying. Was it was it the D and D one? Uh I don't think so. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. King of the mouth noises over there. (laughs) (laughs) Having fun?
I don't think the Are microphones picked that up. I hope it did. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs>